Before we get to this week's episode, I wanted to share the Dimes of Crime with you, an up-and-coming true crime podcast that I think you will enjoy, especially the subject matter. Take it away, ladies. Thanks for the intro. I'm Richa. And I'm Haley. We're the hosts of Dimes of Crime. We're a true crime podcast with a feminine twist. We're two moms and sisters by marriage talk all things true crime involving women. Being murders, con artists, or being accomplice in any type of crime, new or old. But always with a drink in hand. We also sometimes sprinkle in bits about our life as new moms and the fun trips we love to take with our fans. So go grab a drink and hit subscribe on any podcast streaming service you love and hopefully we'll drink with you every Tuesday. Don't let the murder thoughts bite. You're listening to Sirens, a true crime podcast brought to you by the Sirens Network. This podcast contains explicit content, so listener discretion is advised. The opinions expressed on this podcast are solely the views of the hosts and do not reflect the views of affiliates, associates, or sponsors of this podcast. A break from our regular programming for this special episode, Raven's Reviews. Let's do this. Let's do this. Okay, so special episode today. I am doing Raven's Reviews, and I'm here with a friend from that little bookstore. Gardeners. That I always tell you about. Um, you did the true crime curation. I did. I did. And so if you guys remember seeing on my, I think I posted pictures on my Instagram Um they have like the little tape stuff on the floor. That was you. That was me. You did well, it. <laughs> that wasn't of me. That was of my friend Dan. Shout out to Dan. Shout out to Dan. Um, but yeah, so like every single book, just about every book that I talked to you about came from Gardner's bookstore. So no, they're not paying me to tell you this. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just really love that bookstore. Uh so Scarlett Simmons. Hi. Raven's Reviews is kind of a new thing that I'm trying on. I've done one or two so far. But we're not here. I'm not here to, like, tell you, like, line by line the whole, like, storyline of it. I guess timeline-wise or whatever. Like, I'm not here to focus on that. Basically, what we're going to do is tell you the story a little bit while we talk about X thing. An X thing could be book or an X thing could be a TV show we've watched, whatever. So today we're going to talk about candy. (laughs) We're talking about Candy Montgomery and we're going to focus on the Hulu series that we both watched and then Scarlett has read the book in which I did not have time to read because I have been reading Jared Adams book and then Catherine Miles book and then (laughs) J.L. Hyde's books and so so she's gonna have the scoop on the book. Spoiler alert if you have not watched this series if you have not read this book if you do not know anything about this case now is not the time to learn. (laughs) Go back and watch those things. That's what we're talking about today. Anyway, I guess let's start out with who was Candy? Candy was a Texas housewife and she, air quotes, allegedly 
butchered her close friend with an axe in a fit of rage on Friday the 13th. And this was in 1980. And this was Wiley, Texas. No idea where that's at. Any idea? Nope. So shout out to all you in Wiley, Texas, who's living across the street from the Betty Gore house or something. Those Wiley coyotes (laughs) in Wiley, Texas. So uh, what had happened was she had was having an affair with Betty's husband. Now we're talking about like, this is straight up suburban and it was Bible Belt. So they all went to church together. And um, so she started having an affair. Of course, she's married. She has her own children. She's a suburban house mom. And she starts having an affair with Betty's husband, Alan. And then there was some sort of confrontation one day on Friday the 13th. Uh, We really only have Candy's side of the story from her trial. And then at some point during that altercation, she ended up axing Betty to death with 41 blows. 41 blows from that axe. And this is actually also going to kick off. We're doing kind of a um, axe murderer saga on the show (laughs) yeah so this is kind of the first story in the axe murderer saga the next will be the austin axe murders and then clementine barnabet and then we will end with the axe murder of new orleans we're gonna start with candy montgomery you saw the hulu series what'd you think of the hulu series i thought it was really good so you read the book you said the book and the series kind of went play by play. It's pretty much play by play, except for the things they didn't add. You also said that there was a lot of detail in the book. There's a lot of detail like lot, in the lot. book. Um, so basically anything that differed from the show and the book was just omissions of things. They didn't really add too much. They added some flair to some characters, mm-hmm. uh, specifically like... Her lawyer's character, they made him a little more flamboyant than he was in the book. Although he's pretty flamboyant in the book. Of course. Um, and then, like, I keep thinking of the lady that Alan gets with near the end of the series. Oh. Like, Betty's replacement. They added some stuff to her I character totally as well. I her name, even. Her name. I can't even remember. <laughs> nothing. 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 There's nothing in here. <laughs> Well, okay, so what? what's the book called? You have uh, the book with you. It is called Evidence of Love. It is the most pulpy name and cover that I, like, of any <laughs> true crime book. Like, it could be any, about anything. And I know also, so there's going to be an HBO series about this as well. Yes. It's going to be called Love and Death. I believe that that one is basically based off of I think the rights came from anyway came from the Texas monthly articles that came out about it 1984 and it was like a two-part series or something where where they detailed everything that happened uh it said sometime in 2022 yeah I don't know and Elizabeth Olsen is supposed to play candy in it also like I love Elizabeth Olsen but I think that the Hulu series kind of nailed it mm-hmm. with the characters. Like they have Jessica Beale who plays Candy, and she's like, she's spot on. And uh, who was it that played Betty? Because I was just looking at a picture of Betty uh, Gore today, and it's nearly identical. I know. Um, Melanie 
Linsky. She's been in a lot of stuff. She, it's, the name's familiar. Yellow Jackets. That's a series. I forget what that's on. Showtime, I think. Yellow Jackets. is. It's like a new series on Showtime. Um, it's about these girls who, when they were in high school, they got um, into a plane accident in, like, the middle of nowhere, in, like, this the middle of this forest, and they had to, like, survive out there for, like, a year or something. I love stories like that. It's really good. It, like, goes back and forth. So there's, like, this four, the four main characters. She's one of them. And then um, it's got Christina Ricci in it as well. And anyway, it, like, jumps back and forth because, like, there's obviously only four survivors of this. But when they start showing you at the beginning, there's a bunch of other girls. And so it's it's a little bit true crimey Ooh. in there. So if you like that, I would suggest you wait until season two comes out because they kind of leave you really hanging. But, yeah, so she was in that. She was also in Castle Rock. Seen none of these so far. Oh, well. So. I've seen her in something now. Yeah, yeah. And then it also has, I don't know if I'm saying his name right. Pablo Schreiber, uh, who plays Alan Gore. He was in, well, he had a pretty big, like two part episode in Law and Order SVU. And then he is also in the whole series, basically of Orange is the New Black. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. My fiance mentioned that. Yeah. Pretty much the entire time we were watching it together. (laughs) He's in Orange is the New Black. Did you know he's in Orange is the New Black? He's in Orange is the New Black. And then... The guy who plays Pat, this is kind of crazy because Pat is her husband, is Candy's husband. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy who plays him looks nothing like he looks anywhere else. I don't know why. <laughs> like, here's a picture of him. Oh my God. <laughs> he does not look anything like he looks in the show. I would not say that as the same person. Not even with a gun to if my he head was, would I have known. Like, if he was credited with that, like, I'd be like, that's not him. But then there's pictures and stuff anyway so he has been in oh it looks like he does a lot of voiceover acting he did have a nice voice yeah he's like in bob's burgers and stuff robot chicken and american dad he was on critical role so his name is timothy simmons (laughs) a distant relative (laughs) Yeah, so, anyway, and then, from what I understand, Justin Timberlake is Jessica Biel's husband in real life, and he played the sheriff. Oh, it's Justin Timberlake? Yeah, <laughs> with the mustache. Are and you the, kidding me? Yeah, and, like, I've heard a lot of people complaining about the accents on that show. I didn't have a problem with it. They weren't too bad. They weren't too bad, and both of, both Jessica Biel, I can't remember where she's from, but I think she's from somewhere southern, and I know that Justin Timberlake is from Tennessee, so his isn't made up. Like, that's just how he used to talk. They definitely all just sounded like they were from <laughs> yeah. Texas to me. Yeah, they did. Um, yeah, the, the main um, investigator, the main police officer, whatever, yeah, that was Justin Timberlake. So, real-life husband, and then there was the other... Sheriff is the girl who plays Betty, her real life husband. I know. It's a family affair. It was. I think it's pretty cool. Candy was a mother and housewife. Um, by all accounts, super normal life. They went to church. I forget what church they went to, but a Methodist church. Methodist church. Typical Texas. Typical Texans, I should say. Go to church, go home, do stuff with the kids. She was always going out and doing stuff with them. I think I believe she was a stay at home mom. She was. Uh, she took book. They they go into more that she took like a lot of college classes. Okay. Um, 
But she was just a stay-at-home mom, pretty much. For the most part, yeah. And mm-hmm. she had... Two children. Two kids. Yeah. Uh, I know that they moved to Wiley, Texas in 1977, which is... Wiley is apparently a suburb of Dallas. I have never been there. I've barely been to Dallas. <laughs> so Pat, her husband, provided her with everything she needed. Um, he had a job as an electrical engineer at Texas Instruments. So she was able to stay home, son and daughter. There you go. She had a son and a daughter. And while she didn't mind being a housewife, she did get bored a lot. Uh, Because at this time, like the time when this stuff happened, her kids were a little older. Mm -hmm. I mean, they weren't old, old, but they were like, you know, could take care of themselves. They were in school. Yeah, they were in school, school age. And um, she was 28 years old and a devout churchgoer. Uh, attended the Methodist Church of Lucas. There it is. And that's where she met Betty and Alan. Their relationship took a turn in 1978 when Candy uh, and Betty's husband started playing church volleyball together. And then that kind of got inappropriate, I should say. In the series, she had this like obsession with um, raunchy novels. It's like a one-line mention in the book. Oh, really? They like, yeah, that she and Jackie, their pastor, would mm-hmm. like read raunchy novels together, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think they used that in the show as to more show that yeah. she was really looking for something that she wasn't getting. Yeah. And so they really like hung on to that as a metaphor for her. They really romanticized those raunchy novels. They're in, really in the not series. that good. <laughs> they're not. No, no, they're not. The volleyball thing became a little inappropriate and they started seeing each other at this motel. What did Alan do? He was also some kind of eminence math guy. Yeah, he was like a teacher or something. Did he teach? So he was Betty Gore's college English teacher. Okay. And they okay. started dating while she was still in college. Right. So okay. he is significantly older than her as well, I think. Was he still teaching when they were together, like when all this happened? He goes remember? through so many jobs. And in the book, they really go into how many jobs he has. Well, and you know what? In the 70s, like you could pretty much do anything and still sustain your home. Exactly. You could do anything. Back then, it was like one dude could like own a mansion and like he's like a janitor. Yeah. School or something. <laughs> what a time. What a time to be alive. They like mention his receding hairline in this. They mention it a lot in the book. Do they really? Oh yeah. Like what? Like it says like they mention his receding hairline and his and burgeoning pot belly. What in is the that? show? He's got a full head of hair. He really does. And so this is the first time hearing about his receding hairline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're really doing him dirty. Although he deserves it. <laughs> That's weird. So this whole affair apparently started when she just decided one day that she wanted to have an affair uh according to the series and according to a lot of articles that i keep reading she just out of the blue decided i want to have an affair and she just picked one she just picked a guy that she thought like would probably keep it a secret would be good at keeping it a secret and would play by her rules and her rules were basically um what was it like we can't, um, if we start to like each other, like actually like each other, we have to stop seeing each other. Um, no calling the home for any reason. And they would only meet at like these dirty little motels and stuff. But anyway, pretty much just that. Yeah. And so then one day she would like, just out of the blue, she was like, Oh yep. It's going to be Alan. And so 
she follows him. They're at volleyball practice and she follows him out to the, um, the parking lot and just jumps in the passenger side of, of his car. <laughs> and it's just like, I would like to have an affair with you. Thank you, good sir. And mm-hmm. just like leaves. <laughs> in the book, he gets into her car. What? Mm-hmm. Like, what did, was he the one that wanted to start the affair? Or? No, but Candy is just like, they really get into how, like, she's very, she could just be like casually persistent. Like, hey, I want to talk to you for a second. Get in my car real quick. Oh. And he was like very, um, I don't want to say he didn't have a personality, but I didn't see he much was of ju- He seemed like a guy who was really, really into math. <laughs> And not like sexy math. I mean, like just they, math. They were both kind of like Chip from Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, just like flat guys with really big glasses. Oh no! And unfortunate haircuts. That's kind of what I don't understand. Candy's husband Pat seemed to be like very. Um, I'm not going to say adventurous, but he did a lot of cool stuff with the kids. Like they would do storytelling and he was always playing with them and he was always like telling them like stories and stuff like this. And so he seemed to have way more of a personality, but he didn't have the sex appeal. He didn't have that's, that's a thing. I was like, man, he is a super mm, nerd. (laughs) I mean, I hate to say that, but like he was very, very nerdy. Like I imagine if I walked up to him and asked him about Star Wars, which they mentioned them going and seeing it's in the show. It's a big plot point in the show and the book. Yeah. Uh, that, like, he would probably know every single thing there is to know about Star Wars. That's that's where we're coming from. It was new back then, though, so. It was new back then, but I can just see that, like, okay, it. this is the thing I'm doing now. I am now a Star Wars super fan. Like, that's what's happening. I mean, nothing against Star Wars super fans. My mom went and saw it 17 times or something in theaters when it came out. So, nothing against that. I'm just saying. But it gives you hints into someone's personality. It does. Like, like he was very childlike in nature, I think, is where they were going with that. Mm -hmm. And then Alan, on the other hand, was very, um, to me, bland. Mm -hmm. Like, I think he was very typical man wakes up in the morning gets his coffee reads his paper goes to work comes home eats dinner goes to bed like I feel like there was no deviation in his life (laughs) the book makes him seem a like I mean just slightly above cardboard yeah but like he doesn't seem that interesting in the book but they describe him as like sort of you know muscular and he's kind he was of a socialite. Yeah. Yeah, and he's kind of a, like he's definitely more of a socialite than Betty okay. is. So I would say I guess technically volleyball was a hobby. Yeah. And he in the book it gets into like how he set up the volleyball like part like oh. tournaments at the church. Okay. It was like his thing, so he had put that together kind of with Candy cuz they were both kind of big in the church. Oh, okay. Okay. All right, but still. He's just barely, he's just barely, like, above cardboard. He's just so bland and 2D. That's what I just, I just can't see the appeal. But apparently he had a beautiful penis. (laughs) He did. Apparently have a beautiful penis. (laughs) I haven't ever seen one. 
But then, like, so I just, I don't see the appeal. I don't, I'm not really sure why she picked him. Maybe it would just be, if, if he's just an easy target. That could have been as well. Like, he's a man who, with a wife who she knew for a fact was dowdy and boring. Yeah. And so she knew, hey, I'm cute and exciting. I yeah. can walk right into that and be a homewrecker. You know, and she, um, she did kind of have, like, an adventurous personality to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um like along with the raunchy novels she was like all up in everything Mm -hmm. she was like in the church choir and like with those little plays that they were putting on at Mm -hmm. church and stuff and perceived basically as super mom because she was she always had like everyone else's kids with her Mm -hmm. as well uh having sleepovers and doing all kinds of stuff betty's kids yeah yeah, a lot of the times, yeah, it was Betty's girl. And then Betty, on the other hand, she struggled a lot with depression. Oh, my gosh. And they don't really mention, like, she's depressed. She's depressed. I know. I feel like I feel like they portrayed her as... Dowdy. Debbie Downer. Yes. As, like, oh, she could just get over it. Like, why is she like this? She's so whiny. Yeah, whiny and, yeah, and and easily irritated. And, and they don't really tell you like hey look this is depression this is what it looks like she has depression and she's taking like ambien times 3000 or whatever kind of drugs they were giving them back then you were telling me that they had her on a bunch of different medications for it but Mm -hmm. of course this is the 70s i'm not sure how much they even knew about depression Adderall during the day and Xanax at night. There you go. That's your prescription. And so, well, and then on top of that, she even mentions that, like, she felt like her hormones were never right after her first, after she had Mm -hmm. her first child, which I 100% feel that because Uh my kid is 14 months old now. And sometimes I'm like, man, are those hormones? Like, why am I so snappy? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah, I, I feel like some of us might need help being leveled out. And I feel like that's something that maybe they just didn't do back then. They were just like, I don't know, here's Valium. Go home and get over it. Yeah. <laughs> Sleep it off. It'll be fine. But she she used to have been a school teacher mm-hmm. because in the series, it showed her, like when we get introduced to her as a school teacher, um, that she gave her entire class detention. That was added into the movie. There was an, an incident, act- there was like really an incident where some of her students threw eggs at her house. Right. It doesn't mention that she gave an entire class detention, okay. but it does mention that she was a super strict teacher. Yeah. She wanted everything orderly and everything correct. And so she was very, so she was kind of let go because she was such a strict teacher with know. her students. Why that? Why is that wrong? I would think you would want a teacher who is organized. Just because you're a teacher who is strict. Like, we all had really, like, Mm -hmm. teachers we hated who were super strict and wanted things a certain way. You can be a teacher like that. Yeah. It doesn't make her a good teacher, but it doesn't make her a bad person. Right, right. They did mention the egging. Mm -hmm. Um, There was egging, and that's when they were like, (laughs) she was in the principal's office, and he was like, you can't give your whole class detention. And she was like, well, one of them did it. I know that one of them in there did it. And he was like, well, you can't do that. And this isn't the first time, so we're going to have to let you go. And so it got me wondering, like, I wonder if she really did give her whole ass class detention. If she did, the book did not mention it. Okay. And so then after she got fired, she just didn't teach anymore. She did have other teaching jobs after that. And a lot of it was substitute teaching. Okay. Okay. Um, And then there was a point in their marriage that they did. What did they call it? Marriage Encounter. Marriage Encounter. 
And what? actually, um, Alan suggested it to Betty first, and Betty didn't want to go. Oh, really? Um, and then later on, when things started to get really bad, and Alan started to get really distant, then she brought it up to him again and was like, why don't we do Marriage Encounter? Why don't we do Marriage What is Marriage Encounter? It is... So they really don't get into it in the movie, but the book really like has a lot about it. It's this retreat that couples who are having problems in their marriage go to. It's the 70s. A lot of people get married like 10 months apart. I think Pat and uh, Candy got married like 10 months after meeting each other. And most of it was sending letters back and forth because they weren't in the same state. Oh, So really they had only seen each other like a month total or something before they got married. Holy cow. I think that was the case for a lot of people in that church and in that area. So it was like a Methodist thing where couples would go and it was... You just have to be completely honest with each other for, like, a three-day weekend. Yeah. You would write in these journals, like, eight love letters to each other per day. Holy cow. Um, they would ask specific questions, like, why do you want to keep on living? Why do you want to stay with your partner? Why don't you want to stay with your partner? What do you like? What don't you like? And you just be brutally open and honest. Oh and it gosh. actually worked for a lot of people. And you can imagine why, like, just being solitarily with your significant other yeah. and, like, being so deep into your relationship that that would happen i can definitely see why that would work mm-hmm. though because it's in the short run well yes because um a, like a lot of people especially in the, the 70s and the 80s they didn't really communicate too well mm-hmm. so i could definitely see how just being open and honest just right then here's what we need to fix right now could be helpful and so they went on one of these retreats they did like a three-day weekend retreat Mm -hmm. and in this series it kind of like alludes to the fact that they kind of made up and moved on Mm -hmm. uh so they went to marriage encounter alan says that he didn't tell her about his relationship with candy but she told him about an affair she'd had early on in their marriage oh um but so that's what happened in the show in the book she told him about the affair she'd had early on in their marriage like the day after it happened and not actually at this and not actually at the marriage encounter I would love to know why you have so many uh, labels. Like, she's got, like, all of these, like, bookmarks and labels and stuff in the book. I was, like, I was basically marking everything that was different than the show. Oh, okay. But I didn't color code them or anything. On this page, I only, I only highlighted the word Richard, and I don't remember why. (laughs) Don't be a Richard. I have sticky notes that say, like... Oh, the way they did Don's character, her uh, lawyer, like, fascinates me. He was, like, suntanning at one point, like, in his office. Do you remember? What? Candy's, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, lawyer. What was his name? Don? Don Rickles? Something. That sounds like something I made up. <laughs> that sounds like a cartoon character. <laughs> yeah, he was kind of over the top a little bit in the series. He's definitely least. an oddball in the book, but he's not suntanning in his office. <laughs> That's really weird. Now, I feel like this was before the marriage encounter. I could be wrong. Um, The fostering of the little boy that Betty and Alan took in. That was before marriage encounter. That was right after she was fired in the show from... Right. And that did happen. Uh, They didn't go into as much detail about it in the book. But I feel like the show may have dramatized it to show more of her character. Right. Um, And she was uh, the same with this child as she was with her own child as she was with her students 
she was just very like she was strict she wanted them to be neat she wanted them to be respectful which her daughter Alyssa definitely was yeah for sure of course you don't know you don't know what these kids have come from Mm -hmm. what they've gone through and I feel like when he started acting out which he did in the show he started acting out and they just kind of like well let's throw him back like they just they sent him back Mm -hmm. Uh, Alan did nothing to help her no she was all alone and he never was on her side for any of it that's the thing that I'm gonna get into too Um, when she gets pregnant he's still having the affair with Candy at the time and she is so like you can tell immediately that she's heartbroken that she's pregnant again because I don't think she handled it very well the first time. She had really bad postpartum depression. Sometimes postpartum doesn't leave you immediately. Sometimes it no. never leaves you. I mean, who was that lady who drowned her five children? Yeah. And they were like... I don't remember. But yeah, I mean, the, there's a lot of women who it affects. And when you don't figure out how to deal with it, especially between children... It's just literally a vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. And, and if so, you don't have a, a partner who's there support system, to listen to you at yeah. least. Yeah. Uh, I had really bad, I've talked about this, I think I talked about this on the uh, Cecil one. Anyway, I had really bad postpartum after I had him. <laughs> Look at how cute he is. Oh after I had him. And... Um, it was really bad, but also because I had a bad experience while giving birth to him. I had a C-section, mm. and I was not anesthetized uh, when they started cutting into me. And so, like, I, I literally know what it feels like to be eviscerated. I know what it feels like to be cut open. And, like, they have you strapped down. I don't know. Do you have kids? No, okay. I have no kids. It's terrifying. My don't mom do had four C-sections, though. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So they literally strap you down. Like, your arms are strapped down. Your legs are strapped down. They have this thing up in front of you so you can't see what's going on down there. And then they give you anesthetics. Well, anesthetics have never worked correctly on me. So, like, anytime I go to the dentist... They have to give me, like, double or triple doses of shots and stuff just to numb me up. Because, like, I just, like, metabolize that or something too quickly. It goes and then it's gone. And so they weren't aware of that. And I'm trying to tell them that. I'm trying to tell them I can feel everything. Anyway, so it's it was a very traumatic experience. And I had a lot of pain afterwards like a lot a lot so much so that I I couldn't even really walk on my own my husband did everything for me he helped me get out of bed in the morning he brought me the baby to breastfeed even though I wasn't producing he would make bottles he would feed he would and he's bathing me feeding me helping me like what like literally I'm standing in the shower and he is bathing my entire body. Good partners. He, I don't know if I would have survived that, literally, if he hadn't helped me through that. So I cannot imagine not having a partner to help you get through that depression. Like, that's just always there. It's just always a black cloud now. And so now, because you didn't have any help with your first one, it's just total fear. 
that it's going to happen again. It's going to get, it's probably going to be worse this time. And her, she already had terrible anxiety anyway, yeah. like before she even got pregnant. When yeah. she and Alan were first married, she would have panic attacks when he would leave. Yeah. And, and that's like, usually the postpartum is 10 times worse when you already had anxiety and depression. Like when you're already predisposed to that. And she was like, I think she was like 35, 36 when she got pregnant the second time. How old? What, do you remember how old she was? I don't think they ever mentioned it really. Um, I know that her first child was like, what, t- eight, nine, ten? Maybe six to eight. Okay. And so now you thought you were done with that and you're older. And as an older first time parent, I can tell you it is not easy. Like... I can't imagine having two, <laughs> let alone. And she thought she was pregnant again the day she died. Yes. She was. Yes. She was panicking about being pregnant again. Yes. And that was something that confused me. Let me see if I can. I do have this marked. She did have the baby. She didn't have issues during her pregnancy. No. Which I didn't either. Pregnancy was the best time of my life. Really? But it's directly after your mm-hmm. hormones are all messed up and now you don't have a support system. Where? I don't think her family or anything lived there. They moved no, there. They they were all far away, which is another yeah. reason that she was really depressed. Yeah. She was used to having her family around and her family was very close. And then, so no friends, no family. Candy was really her only friend. And she wasn't a friend. No. She no. really didn't have any. They mentioned, no. I think in the show too, like they're like, maybe she's at a friend's house. And yeah. Ellen's like, she doesn't have like friends that yeah, she, she does doesn't to. have any. She's constantly wanting them, but doesn't know how to communicate to people yeah. that like you know in the way that all of the other cats at the you know the Methodist church did yeah and that just that's like introverted and anxiety like you don't know how how am I supposed to make friends just go up and start talking about like what like what if they think the thing that I want to talk about is stupid like, yeah like exactly. you know it's like it's hard to make friends anyway and they do do that to her because she brings up that she wants to start a children's choir right. in the beginning and they're like you really want to teach kids to be louder yeah yeah <laughs> i completely understand where she was going with that exactly. though Exactly. she was like let's just direct the loudness into this thing so maybe they'll be quieter later yeah yeah and everybody was like that's a dumb idea but yeah i felt sorry for her most of the series yeah and then she gets pregnant again she does in fact get pregnant while Candy and her husband are having an affair, mm-hmm. um, there's even mentions in there where she, in the show at least, she talks to Candy about him not wanting to be with her sexually That's while she's not pregnant. mentioned in the book. So, yeah. So, I don't know if that was like a dramatization or whatever. For- it did show, because Candy did try to be friends with her a little bit during the affair. So, that's I think that was just a scene to show that. And, and the fact that, like, I think they were just trying to prove the point that she didn't know what was going mm. on. Yeah, she was just completely oblivious. And so I'm I'm wondering if at some point she just didn't mention to somebody that, like, he just didn't want really anything to do with her. Um, she mentions that he didn't want anything to do with her the first pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, you know, most guys, like, even my husband is, like, touching the belly and talking to the belly and, like being a little annoying about it <laughs> to be honest mm-hmm. and she was just like yeah he didn't do any of that didn't want to do any of that so i mean you know she's already terrified she's pregnant and this is going to happen again mm-hmm. and then she finally has the baby and she does i feel like she does get a little more depressive she is trying her best to deal with it on her own 
Um, what other choice does she have? Yeah. And and she takes up her, um, she's like trying to keep up with her hobbies and stuff. She was like sewing. She did like home. They were going to take a vacation to Switzerland. Right. Yeah. And as like a second honeymoon mm-hmm. or whatever. And she was like trying to, they got a new puppy. He got her a puppy. I, me and my fiance had to have a discussion about it because he was like, well, she got her a puppy. And he got her another responsibility. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he got her. As if she didn't have enough already. Because and he just goes, play with the puppy as he's leaving. Like, yes. Yeah. And this is one thing that, like, so uh, my roommate, who is sometimes on the show with me, Jean Gray, uh, she watched it with me. Mm-hmm. And we had this whole discussion about, like, just men in general and how oblivious they are to the things that women do. Like, a lot of women work and then they come home. And they maintain the home. They are literally the ones that are like, okay, this needs to be cleaned. This needs to be fixed. This needs to be, you know, and then we delegate if we can't get it all done. And then those of us who stay at home, that's our sole job. Mm -hmm. This is all we do all day long. My job doesn't end. I wake up. I'm immediately on the clock. I go to bed. I'm still on the clock while I sleep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like a firehouse job, really. (laughs) Except you don't get like two weeks on, four weeks off. Yeah, exactly. I don't get paid. I don't get vacation. And yeah, but then, but men are so oblivious because like I was just trying to explain to my husband, like you come home from work, you've been at work all day. I get it. Like he's paramedic. I get it. Your job is hard. I'm not trying to discredit that your job, whatever you do, is not hard. However, you get to clock out. You get that nice, quiet, 20-minute drive home <laughs> with no one touching you, no one asking you to do anything, no one yelling at you or hitting you or... Yelling at each other. <laughs> yeah, or dousing, like, apple juice on you, or, like, whatever it is. You get that. Even if it's 20 minutes, you get that. Then you get home and they're so oblivious, they just go about their day. Like they walk in and they, oh, well, I I need to go take a shower. So they just walk back and take a shower. They, you know, they get something to eat, whatever it is. Women, like me, I'm like, I've had this child all day. I literally have to ask someone for permission to go to the bathroom. Someone please hold this while I go to the bathroom. There's a scene (laughs) in the show, if I don't know if you remember um where she's like about to leave for her one of her college classes with her best friend Mm -hmm. and she's like she's got the kids all there and they're all playing a game and like the dad promised them like chocolate sundaes or something Mm -hmm. and she's like all right i'm gonna go and he's like great honey could you actually could you top up some nuts and get out the stuff i did notice that and i was like yes yes she's leaving (sighs) chop up some do you know how long it takes to chop up peanuts do you know how long it takes I was like, could you leave her alone for a minute? Like, yeah. So it's like, yes, I'll take care of the kids, but could you do this and this and this first? Exactly. Men are so, I'm sorry, men. I love my fiance. I love my husband. But I think that men just don't think about it the same way. Like in the back of their mind, they're like, that's her responsibility. Mm -hmm. I'll do it if you ask me I'm doing you a favor by doing this but like I'm still sitting at home like holding him when you walk in the door and you go back to take a shower or whatever you don't ask me to go if I can I go take a shower real quick that would blow his mind if he had to ask somebody that if he had to co- walk around this house and fi- find someone to take the child while he goes and does the number two he would lose his mind <laughs> women just have way more patience for that and I noticed that a lot with Alan 
mm-hmm. like a lot. He would walk in from from work and just go about his business, his own business. She is still struggling with the children. It's like the episode of yeah. SpongeBob yeah. with the clam. Yeah, and even and even when they had that um the foster kid, like she's trying to tell him like I need help. Not even that he's a bad but, kid. No. Well, I, Later on, it was like, he's not obeying me. But that was because she'd been left to her own devices. Yes. She's locked herself in her room and she's taking um, downers to try to like calm down because the kid's yelling gives her anxiety. Yes. And I feel like when she's telling him about it, she's like, can we please just get on the same page? I just need you to know what I'm dealing with so that you can help me. And he's just like trying yeah. to give her like, but yeah. you just need to do this. You just need to do that. Oh my God. Here's a puppy. Shut up. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't get married in the seventies. <laughs> it is another whole ass life. Like I have two children. One is underneath my desk right now. He's <laughs> 16 years old. His name is Elvis. He was my first child. Sweet boy. <laughs> the other is outside with his father. I have two children. And he takes, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, a lot of what I have like put into parenting of my, my boy comes from dog training. <laughs> <laughs> from what I've learned from Elvis. So you use what you know. Exactly. And I feel like that's what she did a lot. She already has anxiety. She already has depression. She's just trying to figure out how to deal with it. And you can tell, like, immediately when the new baby is born um, that she's already suffering from postpartum again Mm -hmm. because she's literally doing anything that she can to avoid picking up that baby. Like, at one point, it shows her... um, the baby starts crying and she runs into the other room and starts vacuuming Mm -hmm. so that she can drown out the screams. That is a cry for help. A good husband would have noticed that and been like, something's off here. Mm -hmm. Something is not right. This is not the woman I was married to. She needs help in some way. And let's figure out what that is and let's do something about it. But I feel like he just totally ignored all of that. He was just, he just didn't, he hoped that the same thing he'd always done would be the thing that would fix it. That leads us into the night that she was found. Mm-hmm. Because I have two theories, and they're vastly different theories. <laughs> okay. Okay, so the night that she is found, Alan was out of town. Mm-hmm. And I forget how far he was. I think he was in a different state, wasn't he? Yeah, he was in a different state. And so he was out of town on business, and he calls his neighbors. He called three of them. Mm -hmm. And eventually, after calling them several times during the night, eventually he talked them into going to the house and checking on Betty. Mm -hmm. He just kept telling them, like, she's not answering the phone. She hasn't answered the phone all day. During a lot of this, like, she would call his work and work would tell him you know you can't have her calling up here and he would tell her well you can't be calling up here and then he would call back and she wouldn't answer the phone right but when he was so they go into this in the book where he's she's constantly calling him when he's out of town or when he's going out of town yeah she would be in constant contact because the sound of his voice would like soothe her a little bit and she just wanted to know that he was okay that was her big anxiety was did he fly a lot I feel like that I would give me a lot of anxiety. Flied. They don't mention that. But I never, yeah, I was about to say, I can't remember if he like drove or if he was flying around a lot. But either way, you're at home with 
a kid or two kids or whatever by yourself in a town that is not your home. You don't have friends or family there. I totally get it. Mm-hmm. Like he was her lifeline. Yeah. Yeah. But then there were several occasions when she would get mad that like he wouldn't wasn't answering her or whatever and she would not answer the phone when he would call. But to call all day long. Yeah. Yeah. Um and so and that was the thing that night is he said that like he hadn't heard from her literally all day. Yeah. And, and they have a like, baby. So I guess it yeah. it makes a little sense to me. Yeah. Um the part that doesn't make sense to me is if you were so worried, why did you call your neighbors? Why didn't you immediately call the cops? I would have. I would have been like, I need to get like can you just go check? Uh, just do a home check real quick and see if they're okay. Like, I know that they've done that for decades. So, to me, I'm like, if you're so worried, I feel like you probably would have eventually just been like, okay, we'll call them and go see if she's all right. But he's also this seems to be this kind of guy who's just like, I don't want to make a big thing out of it. I don't want to... And just- he doesn't want other people knowing his business. Yeah. And he says that during the um, during the show on several mm-hmm. occasions. So he does eventually get these three neighbors, three different neighbors mm-hmm. in three different homes mm-hmm. to agree to go and check on Betty. And so when they go to the home... They're like looking, and at one point he literally says, at least in the show, he says, um, get in that house. Mm -hmm. Whatever you have to do to get in that house. And so they're like, all right, well, that's weird that you would say that. And so they're going over there. They're trying to find a way in. One of them figures out that the front door is just unlocked. Mm -hmm. And so they go in and they find her. They find her in the laundry room. And of course, the baby has been there. It's been 18 hours. 18 hours. That's insane. That's the part where I can believe that it was self-defense. She left that baby I know. alone for 18 hours. After being an, a mother herself, Uh huh. I can't, like, that would eat at me. Absolutely would eat me up. The, sh- the book really ha- does a great job of showing her capacity for com- compartmentalization, which is what, mm. like, sort of made me... Gave me a little anxiety reading the book because I have a great capacity for compartmentalization. Like if something's stressing me out, I can box it out until two days after it should have been taken care of. (laughs) Um, So she, it shows like the weird anxiety that she has. Like that's really interestingly written to show her anxiety and to give you anxiety while you read it. Yeah. It's a very well written book. She just compartmentalized that. She just blocked it out and was like, and through the whole book, she's like, you know, uh, Alan will be home soon and it'll all be fine because Alan will be home soon. And then Alan calls her from like San Diego or wherever he was. Yeah. And and then she just has to go, well, I guess that's, it's gonna, something's gonna happen with it, I guess. I did like in the show when he calls and he's like, Hey, Betty hasn't been picking up all day long. Um, she like, I, you can kind of see it where she's like, Oh shit. That baby has been there all day long. And she even goes, well, would you like me to go over and check on her? Like, someone should probably find her soon, Mm -hmm. you know? And he's like, no, 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 no. And she's like, shit, I can't just go over there now, Mm -hmm. you know? Because he's told me not to, and he's probably going to send something. And if if they catch me there, then, you know, it's like this whole thing. That's the exact stuff that makes it. Jessica Biel really put that across very well. She did such a good job. She was very good. I'm not even a huge fan of hers. Like, uh, usually I'm just like, take her or leave her. But I think she did really good Mm -hmm. in this. Um, my theories are, um, because of how Alan was acting, like he was so adamant that someone get in that house that he hadn't talked to her all day. Like 
he didn't immediately think, oh, well, she took the kids to see her family or like that wasn't his first go to. It was it always felt like something is wrong Mm -hmm. because she would have called him because she always does when he's on these work trips. But I feel like one of two ways. I don't know. Neither one of these could be correct, (laughs) but I feel like the first one is that I feel like maybe he was aware of her postpartum depression. He was definitely aware that something was wrong with her. Yeah, and he just, like, never wanted to deal with it. And I feel like he was aware of it and that he was immediately worried that she did something to herself. Mm -hmm. That she maybe decided that she no longer wanted to live. You can kind of see it, like, in him, like, something... I feel like something's happened to her. And then the other take of that is... Maybe this was planned. Maybe he knew Candy was going over there. Maybe Candy mentioned that she was going to do something to her. Maybe something happened where he purposefully placed himself out of town that night so that he could have a good alibi. It's definitely what the cops thought. And, and well, and then that would make sense on why he didn't call the cops at all. On why he kept calling neighbors and, you know, to go and have them find the body instead. I really, I truly do not think that he had anything to do with Betty's You know, the, the more and more I think about it, I really think it was the first one. It mentions that he's, like, worried about her all the time mm-hmm. because she is on all this medication. And he knows that she's on all this medication. And she knows, he know, like, she doesn't ever stop complaining, 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 quote unquote, to him about yeah. all of her woes. So he knows something's wrong with her. That's so stupid, complaining about all of her work. She's your wife. I know. Like, just She's talking to you about her feelings. She's trying to communicate with you and tell you that something is wrong. And and that could be another thing, is that if she was on all of that different kind of medication, he also could have been worried that if she messes up her dosages, or, you know, if if she decides to take too many, you know, something Mm -hmm. like that, I feel like maybe is really what he was worried about there yeah but i think he knew she was dead yes you know one of those things you can feel yeah yeah and like i'm the only thing that i'm really pissed off about is that you know in hour five he didn't call somebody (laughs) why he was calling everybody else but maybe it was just maybe i don't know maybe some people are just like you don't bother the police yeah you know I mean, even if it was the neighbors still in hour five, after five hours, at, call somebody. Mm-hmm. He was ha- he was traveling all day, though. Yeah, and that's why I was wondering, like, it, if it was by plane or if it if he drove, like, and he just didn't have access to a phone or, like, how long did it take him to get there and, like, all of that. Because it's it shows him leaving that morning in the yeah. series, at least. He left that morning. He went to the office for a few hours. He, he, and then, But then most of that, the day is gone when he arrives at this hotel that Mm -hmm. like it's like nighttime when he gets there it's like it's like 6 p.m or something because they when they get there they go to eat dinner and then they go to bed and by the time that they find her body it's like 11 30 p.m so you don't like alan no i actually wrote there's a part in the book let's see oh here it is it's that this is at betty's funeral and i actually wrote fuck you alan underneath all this part that i highlighted (laughs) it says as he stood there at the gravesite watching the casket and trying to concentrate on the reverend's prayer he couldn't feel anything he wanted to grieve but he knew whatever he felt wasn't real mourning when he did finally begin to cry it was not because he had a terrible void in his life it was because he felt ashamed of himself 
and guilty. For the first time, he wondered how much he had ever actually loved her. That's so fucked up. Fuck you, Alan. That's so fucked up. Like, if your marriage is that bad, where you absolutely just cannot stand the person that you're married to, get a divorce. The book keeps saying, like, he was a man who believed that it was forever. Like, marriage is a thing forever. It's not. You're not helping anybody with that. it's not. No. You're not helping. You're not doing anybody any favors. You're damn sure not doing her a favor. Buy her another dog. (laughs) I can't, like, I can't even. Even when Candy comes to visit her that morning, and she's like, oh, is this the new puppy? And, like, Candy's, like, playing with it and shit, and... Poor Betty's just like, take it. Just take she's, it. She's literally being like, we don't pick it up so it doesn't get excited. We yeah. don't do this. She's really trying everything in her power to keep that dog, like, down level mm-hmm. on the energy levels. Candy just picks it right on up. That was a good scene. I liked yeah. that between them. It really showed their differences. Yeah. Yeah, it really did, actually. Spoiler alert, if you have not watched this series, if you have not read this book, if you do not know anything about this case, now is not the time to learn. (laughs) Go back and watch those things. That's what we're talking about today. Anyway, here's the cool part. This episode should be releasing on the anniversary of the day of the death of Betty Gore, whom Candy killed. I say allegedly 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 killed definitely did yeah so <laughs> absolutely 200 percent. absolutely for sure did so yeah we're we're kind of going a little bit out of order but that's all right um so then we get to candy's version of what happened mm-hmm. that day and really all we have is candy's version because uh, you know betty is dead and there was no one else present if only that baby could talk you know what I mean like if that if we could say I was in the other room the whole time all right we're getting down to the day that morning everyone got up and around of course Alan left for his work trip and then with Candy and Pat Pat went to work and Candy went took all the kids to the church right it was like a big kids church day vacation last day last day of vacation bible school and they had some sort of recital yes that they were doing the show was a recital in the book it was a puppet show okay well (laughs) details 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 i know they were doing something um yeah with the church and so she says they're gonna go to the pool later with the kids and well she's gonna take the kids including betty's girl to the Mm -hmm. pool later and it was her daughter's swimming lesson is what it was yes yes and then so she has to go get um betty's daughter's swimsuit okay so she leaves this church thing and she's supposed to be running to get the swimsuit and then going to target and getting something all his day cards yeah and like running a bunch of errands and stuff and then she's supposed to be back before um her girl's part in this puppet show whatever mm-hmm. whatever it is that they're doing and so she leaves and the first place she goes is to betty's home uh her account is when she gets there she knocks on the door she goes in they discuss um getting the swimsuit she sees the dog 
that whole scene takes place. And then they go into the laundry room to get the swimsuit. And Betty comes at her wielding an axe and tells her that she knows about the affair that she's having with Alan. Again, I would like to stress that this is Candy's version from the trial of what happened. So, after that happens, she says that um, there's, which I'm not going to go into like a lot of detail. You can read the book. You can watch the series. But um, basically, the gist of it is Betty confronts her about this uh, affair that she's having with Alan, her husband. And she tells her, I don't want him anymore. That's over. It's done with. We're not doing that anymore. And you can have him. I won't touch him. All this, whatever. And apparently Betty comes at her with the axe. They struggle over the axe for a good minute. Eventually Candy gets the axe from her and ends up uh, hitting Betty with the axe over and over and over. And over 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 for every time that she hit her we would be here forever more than lizzie borden yes yes actually because in reality like lizzie borden only hit her father i think what was it 19 times or something yeah yeah yes so then she apparently tries to clean up a little bit in like a dazed stupor after what happened decides that's not gonna work has blood all over her she takes a shower in betty's shower i always wondered what happened to the bloody clothes what did she do with so she she took the shower so she goes home soaking wet Okay. She's in like this daze after what happened. Did she just like get in the shower with all her clothes on? Mm -hmm. Okay. I was wondering. And Jessica Biel did such a good job when she was doing Candy's testimony where Mm -hmm. she was like, I had to get that blood off me. It was really making me sick. Yeah. Like, but she gets the shower, all of her clothes on, goes home completely soaking wet, takes off all of her clothes as soon as she gets home and throws them in the wash and then washes them because it was a burgundy blouse and dark blue jeans that she was wearing. Um, and then and uh, her rubber flippy flops. F- and then her rubber flippy flops. Flippy flops. Then after that, she literally goes on about her day as if nothing happened. Yeah. Still has Betty Gore's daughter staying the night with her for yes. a, like a week after. Yeah. And totally left that baby there. Left that. Just totally left that baby Had there. her do- one daughter with her in her care while her Betty's other daughter was dying for all she literally. knew. Literally. Yeah. I mean, like... How old was was that one at the time? Wasn't she like... Same age as her oldest daughter. So like six to eight years old. And then the baby was Mm, months. It was like... months. It was like right under a year or something like that. Uh, But still, they... Like, mine is 14 months. He would not last. He, He, like... They found the baby, like, covered in feces and urine and had, like, cried so hard that it, like, had... Was hoarse. ...damage to its throat. So, so sad. I cannot, like, that baby surviving is beyond me. Like, so I don't lucky. know how she survived. But yeah, so totally left the baby there. Is in charge of her other child. And literally just goes on about her day. As if nothing happened. Um, she ends up going... that shit. Yeah, she ends up going back to the church thing. And there is two wounds that I would like to talk about. Mm-hmm. The foot wound... Her where toe was all cut. There was like a gash um, near her small toe on one side. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, it was bleeding Mm -hmm. at several different instances it was bleeding and she kept saying that she hit it on the storm cellar door or some Mm -hmm. shit like that and then there was the wound on her head like she had a large gash on her head which she didn't have an excuse for she just tried to hide yeah and it even shows her um because she had this head wound and it had been bleeding and she did not do anything for it Mm -hmm. other than take that shower um but like she even passed out at one point from dizziness or whatever like i feel like she had a concussion probably but it looked like a gash Mm -hmm. so the thing about that head wound is after that scene of her like passing out they she never pass out. I don't remember. Yes, that. yeah, like right after that, when they're going to see Star Wars. Oh, she's yeah. sitting in the parking lot with the kids in the back seat, and she her head is just like pounding and throbbing, and she ends up passing out. Mm-hmm. Her husband comes up and like bangs on the doors, like you getting a little nap in. Yeah, and she like kind of, and then when they come out of the uh, movie theater, she it goes in between up. a couple of cars and throws up. See, I thought, I thought that was just like panic and trauma. I think that it was a concussion. A concussion. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then the thing about that wound is they never talk about it again. No. And so it actually comes up very little in the book, too. Like, she basically just hides it in all of her curls from her permanent that she had. Her perm. That just blows my um, mind. And then she, like, it scabbed. Like, they took, some of the cops took pictures of it when she was being interviewed mm-hmm. at different times. And some didn't see it because oh. it, like, healed pretty quickly. Yeah. So it just, like, never becomes a big thing. It's so crazy, though, because the thing about that is she later, when when she is arrested and she goes to trial, she later is her defense of self-defense. Mm-hmm. And that's literally, that and the foot wound could both be huge parts in a self-defense mm-hmm. argument. Because if you have a gash on your head... If someone came at you with an axe and you got a gash on your head, that's a perfect way to say, well, she hit me in the head and she hit me, you know, on my foot. But it's also that wound was from her slashing down onto her own foot. I understand that part. But what I'm saying is is you could defend it that way. Absolutely. She could have gone straight to the police and said, here's what happened. Here's why I'm covered in blood. Exactly. So I don't know why like later, even in the, when they are defending her, I'm not sure why they didn't bring those two things up because they could easily say, well, it was from the attack from Betty. Betty right. attacked her first. They didn't need it, apparently. I guess not. No. I they no. I they was <laughs> I was wondering why the child endangerment didn't come up at all at the trial and it, I was talking to my dad about it cuz he he was trying to watch the show and he's really freaked out by some true crime stuff. So he was like, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Does the baby live? <laughs> I was like, the baby lives. God, you didn't have to go through that. Mm-hmm. I did. But he, I said something about like, I can't believe she didn't get something for child endangerment at yeah. least. And he was like, it was the early eighties. There weren't mm-hmm. child endangerment laws like there are, yeah. are now. And I tried to do research on that and I couldn't really find much. Well, yeah. And you'd have to go back to like child endangerment of 1980. Yeah. But I think it would probably just be summed up to neglect, really. Because you're they she never actually went after the child with the axe. No, but she, she left it. She just left alone it alone for eighteen hours. Yeah, I feel like that would probably be just neglect. Um endangerment at the most. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. 
I don't know why they didn't like it's not even mentioned really Mm -mm. I would have for sure charged her with it if it were me and I do personally I think that it is very likely that it was they did like a thing with hypnosis and like candy like finding all the point in her childhood when like this would have triggered her to have this sort of episode Mm -hmm. Kind of could see it. I mean, she hit the woman 41 times and there was no reason for her to do that. Yeah. Other than like that, her story sort of makes sense that Betty came at her first. And they're talking about like, it's, it's supposed to be, they're arguing that it is Mm self-defense. But then they talk about that part where she was triggered or whatever, because Betty shushed her. While she was trying to while kill she, her with an axe. Yes, while she was trying to kill her, she got shushed. Mm-hmm. And then that just, like, triggered her. Yeah. Okay, but those two things don't go hand in hand. No. Like, self-defense and getting triggered don't go hand in hand. So... But try, maybe, like, the animalistic part of the, the lizard brain trying to survive could have, like... Women but, in the 70s on so many drugs, who yeah, knows? Yeah, I know. But I do also love that scene that they added in with Pat when he goes out to um to the uh wood chopping block yes where he's like trying to see yeah. whether or not so that that's not mentioned in the book but yeah. that was a, an amazing scene where he's like she couldn't have done it because I, I can't even do it because i can't even do it but well, the adrenaline of that survival exactly the adrenaline and the fact that she was very athletic mm-hmm. she was she, definitely athletic she played on the volleyball team and again pat was more of a, a nerd a, a nerd and so you know like he wasn't into sports like she was and so i think she was probably built more but of course back in that day it was like oh well she's a woman yeah so if i can't do it she can't do it period Mm -hmm. and so but i really do think that was a good scene because he comes out and he you literally see him hacking at this thing 41 times and he's like pushing struggling to get Mm -hmm. through it even after like the eighth hack or something yeah and he's just like pushing and pushing and pushing and then he's finally like yeah she couldn't have done it because and that he goes took back to everything bed. out of me. And I was, when he went back to bed, like, immediately and, like, started cuddling with her, I was like, if my fiancé came back to bed yeah. like that, I'd be like, why are you so why sweaty? Why are you so sweaty? Yeah. What have you been doing? You are so, and he'd be like, <laughs> like in I her know. ear. And I was like, how did he get away with getting back in bed after that? Like, I would go take a shower. Like, that's <laughs> weird. You just get back in there. Yeah. And then he's in that shower and he's like, oh my gosh, this is how she did it. She really did do it. (laughs) I know. Immediately get in the shower. Oh yeah. So yeah, that was, I think that was a good scene. We see the whole trial at the end. We see, we hear her version. She does mention her foot, but she's like, she still maintains that it was a storm cellar door or whatever. Yeah. That did it. And they took a picture, like when they actually had her come in to like question her about it Mm -hmm. it was bleeding at the time yeah and so they took a picture of that that was basically like that was it like they kind of just were like oh well obviously she was traumatized and it was self-defense obviously how many hacks is it until it's not self-defense anymore is the real question that was what they that's what they (laughs) were wondering too is like once you have the axe is it self-defense yeah but what her lawyers were trying to say was she went into this like fugue state yeah where it was just her like a rhythmic motion and mm-hmm. Jessica Biel did a really good yeah. job at that part too where they showed that yeah well and it is absolutely shown that you know she knows nothing really about the human body about mm-hmm. like I uh, like anatomy or anything yeah. like that she hit Betty 
four times yeah. in the head. I don't know if they did, said that in the movie but or in the show, but in the book, she hit Betty like four times before that woman died. I thought, I saw, had seen somewhere, oh, it was on that Snapped episode where they said that there were 28 blows to her head. Yeah. Um, and that, but the point is, is that Betty survived 40 of those blows. Mm-hmm. And apparently... Her um, heart was still beating during 40 yes, of them. Yes, And... Uh, How did I, they I, know that? I think it was on the Snapped episode that I heard, I don't know, that they had ruled it, like her autopsy had ruled it, that she actually died of a sanguination, that she bled to death. Oh my God, I had no idea of that. Yeah. yeah. That's, that God. was what was on that thing anyway. So Sex murders are so horrible. I know. I know. And like, she obviously didn't know like where arteries were, anything like that, because she was just hacking wildly. It's just two housewives yeah. going to town on each yeah. other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, it, it was kind of graphic in the um, in the show. It kind of showed, you know, it showed her getting hacked up. The amount of energy and adrenaline and, and stuff that that would take, and how long it would take. And she was super sore the next morning. Oh, she had to have been. I mean, oh they showed God. that in the show where she got up and she like could barely yeah. move her shoulders and her yeah. arms. I mean, and you've you get never that done way that before, so and you get that way after like a big dose of adrenaline, mm-hmm. like it and wears it out your muscles. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, they talk about that adrenaline rush where like moms can lift cars, cars. off of their kids. I was thinking and, about that. Yeah, I mean, adrenaline is no this joke. Is the opposite. Yeah, it's no joke. And so I don't know. Like she could have absolutely done it. Mm-hmm. We know that she did it. There, I don't think she that she went over to there it. to kill her with an axe. I don't think so either. I don't think so either. And it was eight months after the affair with Alan. So yeah. I really don't... I mean, I just think that's a long time to wait for them to go, you know, we should kill Betty. Yeah, I, I agree. And I'm, I'm still on the fence that... Uh, that's even what it was about. Yeah. I'm still on the fence that, like, after eight months, Betty would find out, and that's when she decides to bring it up. Like, because, yeah, because unless she just found out, because I don't think. In the how book, would she have found out, though, is what I'm, I'm wondering. My brain says that in the book, there's a part where Alan admits to her that he had the affair. But I don't I don't think that's right. Maybe she found letters like Pat did. Maybe. That scene was so sad oh, where I he know. brought her roses and stuff. And I know. W- apologized to her. Yeah. Go Pat. Pat deserved better. I know. I know. And then at the end, it's like, and then four years later, he divorced her. And I'm like, Pat, four years. Pat, get out of there. <laughs> four years. It took you four years. And and during the trial, she Candy admitted to to other he only, he only hated her after she admitted to another affair after yeah. he had already poured his heart out to yeah. her, which was so hard for a man of that time period to do or whatever. Yeah. Um, but he was like a family man and really trying he to make his good family dad work. Too. He, was a, he was a very good guy. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know. It's just like. And he was friends with Alan too. I just wonder like if that's really what that was about. Like. Anything can get out of hand at any time. Like, I don't know. It could have even been an argument that they had that led up to it. But then why wouldn't Candy say that at the trial and be like, we argued about this and just not even have to bring up the affair? Well, 
Because you want something substantial. And it would be like a reason for this crazy yeah. housewife to take an axe to her. Like you don't want it to be like, well, you know, I picked up the dog and she said, don't pick up the dog. And I freaked out. Like yeah. it's got to be something substantial if you're going to claim that she came at you with an axe. Yeah. Um, I'm not even sure if it started that way, really. Mm-hmm. Like a part of me feels like they got into an argument in the laundry room and Candy looked over and saw the axe and grabbed it and just started... You think so? A part of me feels that way. A part of me feels like whatever it was, Candy was triggered initially and was never initially attacked. And then just saw the axe. Because they mentioned several times that that's where the axe is supposed to be. None of it makes any sense. Even even what was described by her in trial yeah. doesn't make any sense to No, me. it doesn't. Like, just after all of this time out of the blue, she's going to come at you with an axe? Just Unless because, she just found out about the I affair. Mean, I don't know. Unless Alan told her, like, in a tearful way right before he left on a fucking business trip. Well, and there was the thing about her thinking that maybe she was pregnant again. again. Starting that horrible anxiety. And she was just about to start her period. I don't know if they mentioned that in the show. That during the autopsy, they found that she was just about to start her period. And she... Did she get, like, plan B from her doctor? Because in that beginning scene, Alan's like, did you take the second pill? Just take the second pill. I did. Yeah, I did hear that. And in the book... Let me just open it up to the thing. That's the thing about us postpartum moms... Like, just because we had it doesn't mean we don't want that child. No, of course not. So, I mean, yes, we know it's going to be hard, and it might even fucking kill us, but we still want that child, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. It says, on Wednesday, she'd gone to her gynecologist who had given her a drug to induce the overdue menstrual cycle that she was having. Hmm. What They don't say what that is at all. Is that plan B? Like... 1979 plan B. I don't know what it would have been in the 70s. I would just assume that it is like plan B type thing mm-hmm. because some I, they don't use anymore. Yeah, because I know that that would uh, evacuate how do I say this nicely? The lining of the uterus? Evacuate the lining of the uterus um, to and whatever was in there with it. Um, so yeah, that I mean that has to be what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. Something similar. Yeah. And that can't have helped with her hormones either. No. No. I mean, her hormones were probably still all messed up from the last baby. We know that she never had really regulated out from the very first child. Mm-hmm. And then she was gaining weight that she didn't mm-hmm. like. And yeah. she... Poor Betty. I know. I actually really love Betty. I really feel for Betty. Betty just needed a lot of help that she wasn't getting. Betty needed a better man. Yeah. Betty and Pat... I know. <laughs> I know. Swap. Come on, guys. That's what they thought marriage encounter was, was just wife swapping. Just do it that way. <laughs> Betty and Pat. That really probably should have been. Betty but... Montgomery sounds so much better. I know. Candy Gore. Yeah. Ooh, Candy Gore actually does sound better than... We talked about the hypnosis. Uh-huh. Did we talk about the other affair that she had? Um, briefly. They don't talk about it in they the show. They don't tell who it was. They're like, I don't want I don't want to say it because it, his name was Richard. <laughs> his name was Richard. Is his that why was, you highlighted Richard? Oh, that's why I highlighted <laughs> Richard. Because I, I was trying to say his name was Richard. Yes. Um, there was a, some guy named Richard that she'd met at a bar. Um, Why is she going to bars? She and her best friend Sherry would go to bars together, like singles bars, whatever a singles bar is. I would love to know. That's Tinder. (laughs) Um, 
They would go to singles bars together, and she just met this guy there after er, the thing with Alan, and after Pat had apologized to her. So was that the only other affair that she had was with Richard? That's the only ones they talk about. That's the only ones that she's ever admitted to. But I ne- we never saw Richard in the series. No, and in the series, when she says that she had an affair with another man and didn't want to say anything because of his family, mm-hmm. like it seemed to insinuate that it was Sherry, her best friend's husband. Because oh. they like cut immediately to Sherry's husband, and they showed her like arm in arm with him in an earlier at one, scene yes, at, one at time, Betty's yeah. funeral or something. Yes, I think it was Betty's funeral. And because I, I can remember the police were standing outside watching mm-hmm. and she, like, and she was away. like all upon him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that also makes you wonder if that was the only one. If there were like mm-hmm. way more than that. Exactly. I mean, if you had two, why not <laughs> yeah. more? I know the one thing we haven't said is that they went through all of this trial and uh, she was acquitted. Oh, yeah. She was acquitted, uh, which means that she was found not guilty. Of anything. Of anything. Of anything ever. No child endangerment. Mm Mm-mm. Nothing. Not (laughs) lying to the police, which I thought was a crime of its I know. She lied the entire Mm -hmm. time. And so I got to the part where it was just her trial, like the last five chapters, and I was like, I can't read this again. They say on the stand, like while she's on the stand, they're going, um, her lawyer goes... She did kill Betty Gore. And, like, the whole crowd is like... (gasps) We all knew she did. Can you hear me crunching? It's very nice. (laughs) ASMR. It's nice to have snacks. Mm -hmm. I love the snacks. (laughs) I feel like that the jury was somehow duped in in all of this. That's what a courtroom's supposed to do. (laughs) Dupe you? (laughs) One side is supposed to. Yeah, no shit, right? But yeah, she was totally acquitted of everything, and then she ended up... Moved away. Well, Pat divorced her Mm -hmm. four years later, Mm -hmm. and then she ended up moving to Georgia. Changed her name to the very unsuspecting Candace (laughs) instead of Candy. Candace Wheeler, which I'm pretty sure Wheeler was her maiden name. Mm -hmm. It was. So she didn't really change her name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she just went back to her maiden she name. She just changed it back. <laughs> and here's the crazy part. She became a mental health worker. She was like a, a marriage counselor or something. And was literally working in Georgia for a long time. Can you imagine Insane. finding out that, let's say, I'm having a real rough time with my marriage. And I've been going to this marriage counselor for like a year trying to get my shit together. And then I find out that she's fucking candy from that thing. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Are you just trying to get facts so that you can sleep with my husband too? (laughs) My Lord. I didn't know that how we solve a marriage problem was to just hack somebody up. Listen, let me tell you what I did in 1979 to take care of the same problem. (laughs) No shit. I have a best friend who went through something very similar, honey. (laughs) I did. I told you I actually tracked her down. I found her on... And um, you didn't call... Can we call her live on air? We can. <laughs> we can see what happens. Hello, this is Candace Wheeler. Please leave a message after the tone. I'm wondering if, like, after this, because they're doing the Hulu thing, and now they're, so they're doing calls. the HBO thing. I know, I'm wondering if, like, there's got to be people out there who are booking it just to book her. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, my like, God. And I bet she loves it. I have to know what she, what kind of like information. Like, she what, what would she calls? tell me to do? I don't know. 
But like, I'm having, I need to sit down and talk to her about my marriage and just see what she tells me to do. She only took <laughs> English classes, as far as I know, as far as they say in the book. Like, she just took community college English courses. I don't know how she got a psych degree. I don't think it ever says that she got a psych degree. I think it, it just says mental health professional. That's not good. So. Don't like that. It doesn't matter. Like, if even if she's a CNA who works at, What's like, a, a mental health facility... That's just somebody who literally hands out medication. Oh. Oh, my God. I don't want Candy Montgomery giving me any pills. But that's what I'm saying. Like, that's the least amount of, like, I think you do, like, three months at community college. Oh, my God. Like, you do, like, three months at, um, like, a trade school for that. And then you can literally hand people pills. But even if, even if it's that, I don't want her in my room. She literally killed someone. What does Candy Montgomery 2022 look like? Old? I tried to find pictures, believe. Mm. (laughs) I did. I know. I tried to find pictures of literally anything other than like the three, the three pictures. three pictures that Mm -hmm. we have of her. I hate, I don't want, I I don't mean that. I don't hate this book. This is the best gift. My mother-in-law gave this to me for Christmas and I've read it twice now. That's awesome. But it doesn't have pictures. And I love Mm. it when a true crime book has, that's all I I like. That Hell in the Heartland. It's got like oh, a whole yeah. middle part with all those pictures in there. Nothing gory or good though. No, but I love it when they do that. When mm-hmm. they're like, okay, here's a picture of the person that I've been talking about yeah. this whole time. I hate it though when it's like, there were when I worked at the true crime section, it was, I you know, when I got a new paperback, it was immediately to the pictures. And it's usually like, here's a Wendy next to where this crime took place. Here's the parking lot of the Walmart where this crime took place. And it's like a regular picture of like any Walmart parking lot. Literally could be any Walmart parking lot. The the office of the church where the I know. gun was shot. One thing we didn't talk about, the, the, the thumbprint. thumbprint. The bloody thumbprint. The, the bloody thumbprint. And they have like really good recreations. Yes. If not the actual pictures of it yeah. in the show. Yeah, they really do. Um, and that scene at the end where it's like Betty standing in the courtroom yeah. just yelling to no one. Mm-hmm. Like, she left my baby. That was really, yeah. I liked that scene. Yeah, I, I think they did a really good job of showing you Candy's perspective mm-hmm. of everything that took place. And then... It's the only perspective we have. Yeah, and then when they threw Betty in, where she's standing in the courtroom at the end... I feel like, and you know, she's like nodding, like that's and not. She's looking straight yeah. at Candy. Yeah, like that's your version. Yeah, that's your version. That's exactly how I feel like they meant to put it in there. Like mm-hmm. this is your version of this. Mm-hmm. So let's not pretend like this is fact. Like my version yeah. will never be heard. Yeah, exactly. Tell me about. You said you were having a dinner oh, gosh. with your yes. with your husband's family. Just a regular dinner. Nothing like. We have dinners over there all the time. And I was talking about something true crime, just waxing poetic about whatever I was reading at the mm-hmm. time. And his mom goes, you know, Jason's baby cradle was from a murderer. And I went, what? Oh are you gosh. kidding me? Why are you just not telling me We this? have been together for like a year and a half at this point, And I'm just now finding out. And she's like, yeah, yeah uh, I think her name was Candy something. And Whoa. Jason's mother, my fiance's name is Jason. Hi, Jason. <laughs> Shout out. Shout out. And hi, Cheryl. And hi, Mimi. They are all the, they are the ladies who got me in on this case. Awesome. They are the whole reason for it. <laughs> but Jason's grandmother, Mimi, knew 
didn't know Candy that well. Okay. But knew Candy's neighbor, who was very good, close to Candy. Mm-hmm. This, I believe, I'm almost certain this is like after the trial and after okay. everything, that's, everything that's happened. The, her oldest child was having their first baby. So Jason's oldest cousin. Okay. And so they were looking for a baby cradle and Candy's neighbor told his Mimi, like, oh, I think um, Candy might have a cradle for you. I'll go and ask her. And it ended oh up being like God. they went to her house <gasps> and she was apparently very nice. And you never know whose freaking home you're walking I into. I know. I don't know if she knew or not. I need to ask her. I didn't get to like talk to them before this. Just so you know. I am not a murderer. You know, walking in, I was like, maybe, because there is, like, a very creepy mm-hmm. skull right next to the door when you walk in. Oh, yeah. Well, that's Winston. Mm. He is the um, he's the Halloween decoration that I leave up year-round. I love that. And he's got a skull on a platter. Have you ever wondered what Raven's house looks like? You've just gotten a, a good glimpse into it. <laughs> that's it. That was Winston. <laughs> and you're lucky that he's not plugged in because he, oh like, God. when you walk in, he's like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. So I had to unplug him because he creeps too many people out. But if you set him, like, I have him by that window so that people think there's someone in here all the time, you know, it's they like, think it's, it's a some deterrent. very scary hunchback is standing <laughs> yes. in the window. He's a deterrent, man. Stoically at all times. <laughs> if I was, if I was breaking into your house, I don't think Winston would scare me as much as your recording studio would freak me out. Yeah. <laughs> It's you have like an unsolved and missing poster. <laughs> I would think that that was people that you miss have personally have, murdered, have personally have made personally to go missing. missing. Yeah, yeah, I do, and I have. I, I've got this whole panel of serial killers. Like it's an amazing, literally room. framed on every inch of the top of the. Like it goes all the way around the studio, and then I have. All my posters. And a cute little sign with a bow that says, welcome, let's talk about serial killers with blood spatter all over it. This place is a dream. It's pretty great. I'm not going to lie. I I love it in here. It's one of my favorite places. But so the cradle was then officially in Jason's family. Um, Made its way down. So Jason has a lot of cousins and Mm -hmm. it was the cradle of every cousin right down until uh, his younger sister, Lily, was in it. And I think they got rid of it. Oh, no. Which, when I heard, I was like, where is this cradle? At the moment, I I heard it. Like, my children, of all children, my children need to be raised in a murderer's cradle. Are you kidding? And then they said, oh, I think we gave it to Goodwill or something. And I was like, so someone else has Candy Montgomery's cradle. Oh, my God. And they don't know. They don't even know. They just have been raising their kids in it, handing it down. It's There's no telling where it is. And... Who all has raised their child in that? Or if it's just in a dumpster somewhere. It's, it's probably in a dumpster somewhere. <laughs> it's from it's it's from at least the the or the mid eighties, so like decently made. Probably. It probably had lead in it. Ooh, it probably did. It probably um, did have lead in it. Jason teased me this morning because I was like talking about how I was going on the podcast and I was how I was nervous and asking him if he knew any like last minute information. He was like, I can still remember the way it smelled. And I was like, Are you kidding me? And he was like, No. Oh my Just god. <laughs> How dare he? Don't mess with me, dude. <laughs> That's just rude. But there are it some very weird. adorable pictures of him in it. Oh and my in the gosh. background you can see Betty Gore's face. <laughs> bum bum bum. <laughs> what a weird connection to have to a case. I know. Honestly. It's like so random. What a like, like life is so I random. I am really grasping at straws like 
I just, I was so close to knowing close. Yeah, Not that I want to be any closer than that to any sort of murder investigation or case at all. Like, no. I'll keep it, you know, six degrees of separation, yeah. please and thank you. Yeah, I know. I know, but that's, it's so weird because, like, it's always, like, later in life when you're like, oh, yeah, that guy who killed his wife just lived, like, right next door. And you're like, I'm sorry, what? Uh, what? What are you even talking about right now? I've lived here for 26 years or whatever, you know? <laughs> It's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Don't axe murder anybody. I might. I might. I've, I've heard it's very therapeutic. <laughs> I have also heard it is very therapeutic. <laughs> and hey, Candy made it out just fine. So Yeah, Candy got out of this just fine. It's like how Ann Perry writes yeah. books about murder, and she's a murderer too. <laughs> well, you know, you got to do what you love, love what you do. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to kill your friend's mom with a brick and a sock. I mean, you know, sometimes you just gotta act smarter. A lady's people. gotta do what a lady's gotta do when no one else is listening to her. A lady's gotta do what a lady's gotta do. If you guys haven't seen the show, you probably learned a very scattered amount of information. Oh my gosh, today. you listen to two people with severe ADD <laughs> try to tell you about a five part series chronologically and fail miserably. We have failed. We have failed horribly. But you probably know a lot of. <laughs> mushed in facts about Candy Montgomery now. Did they ever bring up that thumb case in the the trial? Oh, the, the thumbprint? Oh, the thumbprint. Yes. I didn't remember them talking about that. But they, um, so in the book, they definitely, like, took pictures of Candy's thumbprints and compared them to the picture of the thumbprint they had. I remember her printing like, her. It's, it's a match. So it was a match. Maybe they just, like, but then she confessed over a lot of, yeah, she confessed, so it didn't, so it didn't really matter. matter anyway. Yeah. Which is, kind of, was a genius part of that, yeah. that defense team, was to be like, well, none of your, the stuff you have matters because we're just gonna say that we did it. Yeah. In the book, they did all the boring stuff where they, like, told yeah. all of her friends and family first that she yeah. did it, and this is what they were going to do. So there was no big, <gasps> in the yeah. courtroom when they suddenly announced it. Yeah. But no, especially that judge really didn't like Don, whatever his name was, mm-hmm. anyway. I know, he gave him, like, contempt of court, like, 40 million times. Yeah. That was a nice scene, though, when he was let out in handcuffs, and he was yeah. like, we won, we won. It was very, it was, it was a very satisfying ending to, yeah. this, to the series. Yeah, it was, although I was pissed because she didn't get found guilty. No, but. but sometimes you don't get found guilty, so what are you going to do? Sometimes you just get to go on with your life and become a mental health advocate. And oh my God. I know. So... <laughs> That's the case of Candy Montgomery. <laughs> Thank you for having me on to talk about it. Yeah, thanks for coming in. What a good time. I know. It's pretty we had snacks. We had snacks. We got to bitch about stupid men for a while. We got to bitch about our significant others. <laughs> we did not bitch about you specifically. It's just men in general. Men in general. <laughs> We agree yeah. that as a group, they're rather stupid. <laughs> we had good, snacks good and true times. crime. What snacks a good Saturday evening, crime. right? I know. I'm going to eat some more snacks. That is what is going to happen. And I'm going to just eat ex- another bite of cheese. Exit with me eating cheese. Here, I'll join you. Here's the sound of us eating cheese. Mmm. Cheese. <laughs> Just think about how many times she hit her with an axe. It makes this cheese so much more delicious. <laughs> Some people don't get to eat cheese anymore because they're dead. Or they're lactose intolerant. <laughs>
Thanks for listening to this episode of Raven's Reviews. Catch more next time on the Sirens Podcast. Do we have an outro? That's our outro, isn't it?